Hey, my friends, welcome to Shane's Brilliant Podcast. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. It is uh, week, uh, what, 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 we, episode 87. Sweet God almighty. We did it. We're here. And uh, I'm glad you're here with me. How are you getting on? We're coming into Halloween this weekend. And you know what that means. Hope you're ready for all these little dickheads <laughs> calling to your door, dressed as monsters and ghosts and princesses and stuff, asking you for sweets. And they don't even ask nicely. That's what I hate. They say, give me the treat or I'm going to trick you. But they never trick you because they're little bass, they're little fucking fuckers. They, they don't have the balls to trick you. And uh, you have to smile and give them out the sweets. And they have their parents with them these days, which is good for their safety, but makes me feel like, hey, wait a minute, I'm giving out sweets. How much of these sweets are going to the parents? You know what I mean? Because there's no way some father is walking around an estate for two and a half hours on a Sunday night with his <laughs> children dressed as fucking, you know, Mr. Frosty or whatever his name is from Frozen. I know that's not his name, Olaf. And without going, Kevin, what, Dad? Give me that Twix. <laughs> no, Dad, they're mine. I got them. Give me the fucking Twix. You know, that's definitely going to happen. And I don't feel comfortable handing out free Twixes to another fully grown man. <laughs> Just feels weird. There was no parents when I was uh, trick-or-treating. They were like, all right, go out. Get some sweets. You better come back with sweets. <laughs> and if anything happens to you, it's not my fault. I wasn't there. You know, it was different. It's mad how different in parenting was back in the 90s. It doesn't seem that long ago, but they just let you walk around in the dark. Wearing a fucking bin bag, knocking on strangers' doors, asking them for treats. Like, it's weird because they go... Your parents would say, hey, this is the one thing. If you ever hear, listen to me with one thing that I ever tell you is this. Never, ever take sweets from strangers. Never. No matter how fucking nice they are, how sure you are, never, ever take sweets from a stranger. There is one exception, though. <laughs> and that's Halloween. And that's a night where you go to the stranger's house and ask him for the sweets. And they send out three children, only two come back. Ah, we lost another one this year. Ah. <laughs> but it's mad. That's how parenting was like back then. It was w way different, man. Like the parents were just like, all right, you're fending for yourself out there. <laughs> there was no mobile phones or anything. So weird. I used to uh, always dress as Dracula. That's who I was. That was my main guy, Dracula. Count Dracula. The only reason was I was so fucking pale. They didn't have to spend anything on a costume. Just shove me in a fucking bin bag. Draw a, a widow's peak on with a black marker. And send me out the door. Throw, buy some of those fake plastic teeth. And uh, I was Dracula every year. My sister, practically the same costume. Except she had a witch's hat. The same bin bag. And... I did that every year in, year out. I was Dracula. Because I was so pale. And I, I I stayed in the game a bit too long. Do you ever stay in the 
trick or treat game just a tad too long. You know, like a boxer, like Muhammad Ali. You know, he's he, he should have retired in the mid seventies, but he stayed until the early eighties and just didn't look very. You know, you could tell he shouldn't have been there. Because I, when I retired from trick or treating, I had a wake tash. <laughs> a wake tash, if you don't know, is sort of a early pubescent mustache on your top lip. It's just like little wisps. And um, I had one of them, I think, by the time I was finishing up my uh, retired in the trick or treat game. I was a hairy boy, you see. If I see any fucking trick-or-treaters come around here with a mustache, I'll tell you. They're not getting any of my fucking Maltesers. <laughs> That's my rule this year. No sweets going to anyone with a mustache. But I was a hairy boy, man. A hairy... I had more hairy holes than I had actual holes. That's how hairy I was. And I started shaving... Because I thought I was going to be like Tom Selleck or some 70s porn star. I thought girls would like a fellow with a you know mustache. So I started shaving in an effort to grow a thicker mustache. And so by the time I was 15, I had no hair on the rest of my face except a big fucking stubbly mustache on my top lip. And I miscalculated dreadfully because it turned out 15-year-old girls don't like skinny, scrawny, smelly 15-year-old boys with big, bushy, fucking Tom Selleck mustaches. That's that's something I found out. And puberty is fucked up, isn't it? I mean, I'm speaking as a boy, as a man, puberty is fucked up. First you get hair coming out of all your stupid orifices or whatever they're called. And then you... You're, you get smelly and then you have 17 erections before school in the morning. <laughs> it's a living nightmare, man. And then you get that voice. Of, <laughs> you could be talking normally. Yeah, I went down to the... Sound like fucking Christopher Walken doing an impression of Scooby-Doo. I mean, that's a nightmare, man. Thank God I never have to do that again. Puberty is fucked up. But I used to love trick or treating in Halloween. Favorite time of the year. You know? Except for when you go to those houses and they give you f- monkey nuts. What kind of a sick bastard gives children monkey nuts? Mean motherfuckers. I guarantee you, if you grew up in a house where your parents handed out monkey nuts at Halloween, you probably need a lot of therapy. <laughs> Who in their right mind thinks seven-year-old fucking children want monkey nuts? They want cola bottles. They want lollipops. They don't want the most tasteless, inconvenient nut in the history of the nuts. Mad. Madness. Some people are crazy. And there was the games you used to play at Halloween. Remember those games where they'd get a basin of water, throw an apple in it, and you'd stick your head in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like even that wouldn't happen now what are you doing with your with your five year old oh, I'm sticking his head in a bucket of water <laughs> like that wouldn't happen now even I don't. I think those games are gone and then there was that other game uh, Snap Apple and that's where you tie an apple to a door frame 
and try and bite it. All the games seemed to involve apples. Apples were our toys <laughs> in the ni- in the early 90s. These were before Mega Drives and uh, shit were like common around my area. And you know, you have people that go now, they look nostalgic back at those times. They're like, oh, you think you have a great time there sitting in front of the computer playing Fortnite? Back in my day, we had an apple and that's all we needed and it was brilliant. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> Fortnite is a fucking billion times better are you nuts back in my day all we had to do was walk around and play with a stick I had to do that it was terrible I would have much preferred to be playing Fortnite than playing with a stick having to actually use my imagination you know <laughs> kids have a way better what are you fucking talking about but those monkey nut families Jesus um, and I hope you didn't do this I hope you didn't go down too early and buy your sweets for the trick-or-treaters coming this weekend <laughs> I hope you did not make that fatal uh, mistake and then you talked into them didn't you you fucking pathetic prick I'm talking to myself here you talked into them didn't you you talked into the sweets you bought for nine-year-olds. <laughs> You're nearly 40. And you talked into the Twixes, the Maltesers you had. You waited till your fiancé was asleep and you gorged on bounty bears. And that's the only word we can use, gorging, <laughs> to describe what it is you did. And now you have to go back down to Tesco tomorrow and rebuy all the fucking sweets. And the fella behind the counter is going to be gone. Hey, were you not here six days ago buying all these same sweets? No, that wasn't me. <laughs> fucking shame of it, man. And um, I wonder what other people do. Like, remember there's other, I don't know if this is still a thing, toffee apples. They were a disgrace as well, weren't they? Like, oh my God, who's giving me a fucking toffee apple? There was a guy on my street, his name was Kevin, and he was like, I mean, he seemed ancient, but looking at him now, he was probably early 50s. And he used to live by himself, and we'd knock on his door, and he'd give us toffee apples. And kind of thinking back at it now, a bit unseemly, isn't it? A fella, a single man, (laughs) I think he was a widower in his 50s, with a load of toffee apples in his house. What's going on there? How did he get them? Did he make them? Who made him for him? Why does he have him in the first place? <laughs> like, who just has toffee apples? That poor fucker. Like, we didn't know anything about him, really, I don't think. But I remember he came to, like, a, a party in my house, right? And it was, like, you know, where I was just sitting around and it was all adults. And he had a drink. I think it was whiskey or vodka or something like that. I think it was whiskey. And he was drunk. And he dropped the glass onto my mother's white rug. Now, the rug was a fucking cheap piece of pennies, fake fur shit, right? And my mother was like, oh, that's fine, Kevin, don't worry about it. But Kevin got down on his knees and my mother was like, don't worry about it, Kevin, it's fine. Like, we thought he was going down to start wiping up, mopping up the rug or whatever. But he got on his knees, he started sucking the rug. He started sucking the whiskey out of the rug. And everybody started laughing. 
Everyone was like, ah, look at Kevin, you're so funny. Oh, Jesus, you love the old drinker. Watch him, he's brilliant. He fucking loves the drinker. Everyone laughing, having fun. But um, then slowly, like, the laughs started dying away. You know, like the screams at the end of Titanic film where they just start getting quiet. That's what it was like. People stopped laughing. Eventually, it was silence. Except everyone was looking. And Kevin was still sucking the rug. And it was the first time I'd ever seen, or since, a man suck a rug. (laughs) And I remember looking at it going, you know, I remember it was the first time I realized that adults weren't as smart and as put together as I thought they were, you know. And I haven't seen a man suck a rug since. But there's always time. Uh, Do you believe in ghosts? Kira, right, says she does not believe in ghosts. <laughs> but she's like, and I've heard other girls say this. It always seems to be girls that believe in ghosts. But she's like, my, I don't know, I don't know. I don't really believe in ghosts. But my nan told me. <laughs> it's always their nans. Like, I've had three girlfriends in my life. All of them, their nans had told them they saw a ghost. My nan has stories about ghosts. And girls love to believe their nans. And I wonder, is it a more female trait to believe in ghosts for some reason? I was thinking about it, and I think I know why. It's because women look at their husbands and the lives that they've let themselves, you know, <laughs> that they have with their husbands and their children, and they're going, Jesus Christ, there has to be more to it than this. <laughs> this cannot be it. Because... I think men, and this is all generalizations, of course, but men, like, in order to get the women to like us, we kind of tend to not lie, but mask ourselves. Because you don't go on the first date, you know, I am actually a fat, lazy prick. (laughs) You don't ever say that. You go, I'm a brilliant fella. You reveal the lazy prick about five years on down the road. And that's when they start praying for ghosts. And I was reading, you know what I was actually reading about? And this is, tell you how sad my reading thing is. Baron Brack. You know Baron Brack? Now, if you're not from Ireland, Baron Brack. It's a, it's a fruit cake, right? Not a crazy person. An actual fruit cake. And in the fruit cake, they have, uh, nowadays they have a ring because for safety measures, it's a plastic ring. But before it used to be a real ring. And then they used to have other things in there like a pea or a, I don't know, a condom or something. And they all meant stuff. I can't remember what it was. But the ring meant, if you got the ring in your slice, it meant that you are getting married this year. Woohoo! So then fucking idiots started choking on the ring. (laughs) So they had to put in a plastic ring. And it was a thing that we grew up in in Ireland. The Baron Brack. So I read about it, I was like, you know, just to read about it. And this is, listen to this, Baron Brack, right? New Year's Eve tradition. Apparently, you see Baron Brack on New Year's Eve. And listen to this, right? This is from Wikipedia. I didn't read a book or anything. In many areas of Ireland, it was traditional to bake a large brack on New Year's Eve by the woman of the house. As nightfall approached, three bites would be taken out of the cake by the man of the house and thrown against the front door while invoking the Holy Ghost. 
<laughs> After an invocation, the family would gather and eat the fragments of the cake. In a variant of this tradition from West County Limerick, the door was struck three times with the cake. What the fuck? We like to take the piss, all right, out of Yanks, Americans. By going, Jesus, they think we're awful fucking super... What do they think? That we fucking believe in fairies and shit? They, think, what, they must think we're awful fucking fools over here. Huh? They think we believe in leprechauns. Meanwhile, our fucking fathers are throwing brown brack, lamping it off the front door, going, Come upon me, Holy Ghost! <laughs> Come upon me, Holy Ghost! And the rest of the fucking family are getting on their knees in West County Limerick. And eating the crumbs of the barn brack off the floor. No wonder they fucking <laughs> think that we're insane or that we have leprechauns and shit. Their granddads were lamping cake off doors. Like, I've never heard of that, but I have heard other stuff on New Year's Eve. All right. When I was small, being my nan's on New Year's Eve, she'd leave the front door. Oh, no, it was Christmas Eve. She'd leave the front door open for uh, like 10 minutes at midnight. And I'd say, well, Nan, what's going on? Maybe it wasn't Christmas Eve. I don't know why it was up so late. It was some fucking one. It was an Eve. Some Eve. She'd leave the door open. Go, Nan, what are you doing? And she'd say, that's for the Holy Family to come in. And you know, when you're seven, you're going, what the fuck is that, Nan? <laughs> don't leave this fucking Holy Family in. They're ghosts. But I've never heard of that Baron Brack thing. <laughs> Like, who fucking came up with that? No, you have to throw the bread off the door three times or the holy, holy ghost won't come upon you. I mean, that's insane. That's rural Ireland. That's West Limerick for you. But anyway, did you have a good weekend this weekend? Everything was open. Did you go out and get drunk the bank holiday weekend? Did you go out and get lo uh, loaded, as they say in the States? Because everything was, re uh, all the pubs were opened and stuff. The restrictions are off, were off the hook. And there's still some weird restrictions. Like if you want to go to a nightclub, you have to book it in advance. Like what cunt knows they want to go to a nightclub at three o'clock in the day? Nobody. If you're booking a nightclub at four in the afternoon, you're a psychopath. That's what a psychopath, <laughs> that's what a psychopath would do. Aye. I want to book a nightclub. I want to, you know, I want, I want to pay for my tickets today. That's, that's somebody that's not right in the head. But I mean, people have to do it now. I was in Dundalk, Dundalk County, Loud, doing stand-up comedy with my good pal Kevin McGahern. And uh, it was my first time ever in Dundalk. And I don't know if you saw my description for my podcast last week. I had a bet with Kira. Would I get a laugh? <laughs> If I said, hey, this is my first time in Dundalk, at least I can now I can always say that I've been there, Dundalk. I said, I'd bet you I'll get a laugh at that. She said, no, you won't. She won. She won. <laughs> I said a complete silence. But had fun, then went out afterwards, had a few pints with the, you know, where you could just drink pints without having to be kicked out at nine o'clock or whatever stupid time met a few people met some lovely people in Dundalk met the Mary Wallopers you know the Mary Wallopers lovely young fellas 
had a few pints with them and had a great time. Um, Dundalk, though, it kind of reminds me of Tralee, right? It's a bit like... I described it as a auto-erotic asphyxiation town. Because... <laughs> Or that's that sounds a bit more horrible than I'm actually what I mean. What I mean is, you walk into Dundalk or even Tralee, right, and a few other places like this, and you you look around, lovely people, you're chatting away, lovely uh, pier area there, lovely bars, the spirit store, what a lovely place, and a few other bars I can't remember their names, lovely Guinness, lovely everything, but there's just that hint of danger in the air. That hint of something might go wrong here and I might lose an eye. <laughs> and it's the same feeling that you get when you're walking around Tralee. Just that feeling like, is everything going to be okay? <laughs> I'm having fun, but there's just an added danger. And so what I mean with an autoerotic asphyxiation town, it's a town where it's like a nice, everyone loves a wank, but some people like to add in a bit of danger by introducing a belt. And Dundalk and Trilly, Dundalk has that feeling of, uh, there's a belt around your neck. <laughs> like it's a lovely place, but there's just that added bit of danger. Just to give it a bit of spice, you know, give it a bit of zoom, zoom, zoom. I don't know what that means, but you know, we give it a bit of, put a little pep in your step. You're always ready to run. You got your flight or fights sense because the second we pulled in we saw fellas getting arrested the first thing we saw but it was a lovely town made me miss home i'll tell you that it was great to be out with friends having a laugh and you know when i was around dublin then the weekend and everyone was walking around load of people going hobnob hey shane you know and that's cool too man because i've been talking into this microphone every week twice a week if you're on the patreon for the last year and you're going, am I mental? <laughs> Some of you are going, yes. But then walking around, meeting people, it's kind of cool, you know, because it's like, fuck, actually people are listening to this that are enjoying it for some reason, you know? Now, the next thing I had to do is get to Texas because I have a lot of listeners in Texas for some reason. Texas, United States of America. I don't know how, I don't know why, but they're there. I just want to give you a big... Salute. Hey, boys. Howdy, boys. <laughs> Listening to this while you're on the ranch or whatever. I don't know what you'd be doing. Walking around with your big cowboy hat. Imagine being from Texas. You can walk around with a big cowboy hat and nobody laughs at you or anything. You try that in Tralee, where I'm from. The mean streets of Tralee. You walk around with a cowboy hat, you wouldn't last four minutes. I watch my man, law, with a cowboy hat. Who does he think he is? Daniel O'Donnell? <laughs> My man thinks he's Nathan Carter. <laughs> and you get your head kicked in. We have cowboys in uh, Trilly, but they don't wear hats. What they do is they install pipes in your house and in your kitchen floods about six months later. That's the cowboys we have. They should wear hats. It would be a lot better. But um, yeah, a lot of Texans. One time, actually, I was in um, the uh, St. Stephen's Green Shopping Center. Magical place. Upstairs in the bathrooms. Name drop. 
name dropping the bathrooms of the Stevens Green Shopping Center. And I was uh, in a desperate situation because I needed to expunge some matter from my anus. And I was waiting to go into the cubicle, right? And uh, who should walk out? The door swings open. Who should fucking walk out? A six foot five man. Built like a fucking ox on steroids. With a a cowboy hat and leather clothes. Which, when you are waiting to go into the cubicle, my friend, is the last thing that you want to see. You want to see a scrawny little nerd coming out of there. You don't want to see a fucking guy with a cowboy hat who looks like he takes four fucking stone shits. (laughs) You know, you don't want to be... It was my first time ever seeing a fella mosey out of a cubicle. I've never seen a fella mosey out of a cubicle before. That was a phrase that was big and true. Mosey on? Are you moseying? Like we fucking knew how to mosey. Who do we think we were with our moseys? Um, but what I'm saying is it's good to meet everybody and it's, it's nice and hopefully get to see me do stand up and all that jazz in the future and uh, you know you know yourself I watched the Manchester United Liverpool game and you know I'm a Manchester United fan right which means I'm not into football or soccer or whatever you want to call it but I grew up as a Man United fan fell out of got into the all the devil's lettuce, the weed, the marijuana. God, we started getting high instead of watching soccer. Lost track of it for a while. Uh, came back to it. Then Ferguson left, and then I'm kind of dipping in and out. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I'm not really uh, hard, d- die hard, but I went to watch the Man United Liverpool game, and I had the same amount of excitement that I had the same belief that I had when in 2012 I bet a fiver on Ireland to beat Spain 4-0 in the Euros. <laughs> and I think it was the other way around. Was that We got hammered anyway. And it pretty much turned out to be the same thing here. We got fucking destroyed. It was embarrassing. Cringy. Fucking, I mean, the defend. Uh, uh, you know, I don't really... I'm not going to talk about tactics and shit, but it was awful. But the worst part is I grew up with Liverpool friends, Liverpool fans as my friends. Because there's only two teams in Ireland, really. You know, mostly the majority were United or Liverpool. They knew a few Spurs, a few Leeds, a few Chelsea's, but Arsenal's is another one. But mostly Liverpool and United. So most of my friends were Liverpool. And when I was... In my late teens, early 20s. And United were like, you know, up at one of their peaks around 2009. 2006 to 2009, 10. I fucking laid into Liverpool fans nonstop. It was the only one of the only joys in my life. I was so miserable back then. The only joy I had in my life was when Liverpool lost... And I used to fucking lay into them. Yeah, you fucking useless prick. Whenever United beat them, the time that they got uh, lost in the European Cup final, was it 2007 to Milan, the second time? And Zaggy scored two goals, I think. And 
<laughs> I was in a pub, a Liverpool pub in Tralee, laughing my whole off, getting, I had to get out of there full time in case I got my fucking intestines ripped out of my stomach. I mean, I laid into them. And now my chickens, I don't believe in karma. I'm not a Buddhist, but I don't, and I, I believe that karma is real, man. Because they're fucking laying into me, these Liverpool bastards, sending me horror, and I mean, frankly, horrible, distasteful pictures my Liverpool friends have been sending me. Picture of um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the United manager at the wheel, driving the, the car on the night that uh, Princess Diana passed away. I mean, that's not... <laughs> This is how much this is what they've sunk to. But you know like you would think that you'd be happy for them because they're my close, close friends that you'd be going, you know, what fair play, they've lived it all their life with a shit team and now their team is, you know, top two in England and it's good for them. No, I want them to fucking suffer. We don't want our friends happy when we're not happy. And that's a fact of life. We don't mind our friends being happy. As long as we're also just as happy. We don't want them more happy than us. <laughs> we want to be happier than our friends. Don't you? Like you like to know your... Like if your friend won the lotto, wouldn't that be disgusting? Imagine your friend won like 20 million. You'd go, fuck them. <laughs> Fucking prick. It wouldn't be nice. I mean, theoretically, you're going, yes, it would be nice for them to get money, to have, you know, security. They're my close friends. Yes. But in reality, you'd be going, no, you'd be sick to your stomach. Like you can deny it. But deep down inside. <laughs> and that's the way I feel about these Liverpool fans. I I, I want them to suffer, man. Because they're putting me through. I had to mute. I, I've never muted a WhatsApp group before. But I had to mute because I was going to get, I was getting upset. I was going to start saying, yeah, but fucking your fatter's a prick. <laughs> you know, I was going to get personal. That's how much it was hurting me. And it's so stupid over fucking teams that don't really mean anything at, at all. But did you see that other thing? If you're a United fan, this kind of was a, uh, Tough to look at the weekend as well. Paul Skulls biting his daughter's toenails. His daughter is a 19-year-old girl. She put up a video on her Instagram of Paul Skulls absolutely tearing into her toenails with his teeth. Now, obviously, there's no hint of anything untowards going on, right? Well, that's why... At first glance, it does look, you go, what in God, Jesus Christ is going on there? Not even just at first glance, at 59th glance, you're going, what is going on there? But Paul Skulls is biting his daughter's toenails. Now, let's look at it. Of course, fellas online are going, Jesus, he's not a pervert, he's a dirty fucker. Okay. But let's look at it from a rational point of view. I'm a rational man as you well know. And let's take what it really is. Probably some cute thing 
that Paul Scholes and his daughter have been doing since she was a fucking baby. He bite her toenails. All right, now listen. Who are we to judge? I'll tell you who we are. Normal people. No, who are we to judge what a fucking family do, right? I'm sure if people looked into your house, they'd see some weird stuff too. Probably not as weird as your dad biting your toenails, but... <laughs> you know, something... Who, like, it's just... It was probably something that he was doing with his daughter since a young age. But his daughter... I don't know if it was with his consent, without his consent. Maybe he didn't know. Well, I don't know. She posted... <laughs> His daughter's a nice, if she was like four or something, you'd even be kind of going, that's still a bit weird, man. Like you used to be the best midfielder in, uh, the best passer of the ball in uh, European football, top five. And now you're on Instagram biting your, t- <laughs> like if you don't believe me, look at the video. It's sort of strange and disturbing, but I, I, it's, it shouldn't have put it up online. And that's uh, take it as a lesson to everybody. All right. If you and your dad have some weird toe biting ritual going on, no matter how wholesome you might think it is, don't put it online. Okay. Anything to do with your toes. I'm telling you, keep, nobody wants to see it, especially your dad biting them. And that's a lesson we've all learned this week. I was in a cafe the last day, right? And I saw a young fella. And he was maybe six. He was acting the complete and utter bastard. The bollocks. He was running around throwing stuff. All right. And his parents were going, uh, you know, Declan, stop. Declan, Declan, stop. And they'd come over and they'd, they'd talk to him and bring him back. Declan, stop. And they were trying to eat their lunch. And he was, I mean, he was, there were stones on the ground. He was picking them up, throwing them at windows and shit. You know, he was being a, and they tried to talk to him. You can't reason with a five-year-old child or whatever age he was. But they tried. And then they picked him up and they left. And he was kicking and screaming. They were going, quiet now, Declan. We'll get you into the car and we'll get you home. Don't worry. And I was amazed at how far advanced parenting has gotten. Where back in my day, if I was running around throwing stones, I'd go, they'd go, Fucking, well, you fucking shut up. There'd be a fucking, I'd be dead. There wouldn't be. Come on now, we'll get you into the car. It'd be a swift boot up the arsehole. And I would be told, you ruined our day. <laughs> but you can't do that now to children. Blame, <laughs> put the blame for having their day ruined on them. You know what I mean? Because that might hurt them psychologically, but they didn't care about that. <laughs> And it made me think, man, isn't it weird? Like, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool? All right, here's an idea I had. I set up a service where I'll be the man. It's called the man. You know, when you've been a, when you have a bold child and you, he's crying or whatever, and you go, if you don't stop crying, and they point, have you ever been pointed at? I'll tell the man. And the man will take you away or whatever they say. And you go, you smile or whatever. Well, I'll be the man. You hire me, right? Guilt free. You ring me up. Hey, I'm in um, 
Two Pops Cafe. Will you... My son has been a bastard. Will you please come and be the man? So then you show up, right? This costs 30 quid. I show up. Your son is running around like a nutter. You go, son, Declan, look, there's the man. If you don't stop, that man will come. And then I go, I'll take you away. Or something. Or I scream at him. I'll take you away if you don't stop. The kid fucking f- was going to go, yeah, I'll go, okay, I'll stop. He's going to be terrified, right? The parents are guilt-free. It's nothing to do with them. <laughs> like when the child grows up, he's not going to blame the parents because he's not going to know. You slip me 30 quid and you get on with your meal. All I do is frighten the life out of your children. <laughs> I think that's a solid business idea. The man. Look, the man is here. You sit down or I'll take you. Sit down. And then you go, thank you very much. Here you go, 30 quid. Thank you very much. Ring me any time that he's acting up. <laughs> I think it would be brilliant. Did you ever get a boot up the hole when you were young? Did you ever do something bad? You know, when you were like, you knew that when you went home, you were in, you were in trouble. And when you were walking home, your arse your arse muscles started tensing up. You get that feeling up your hole. Do you remember? Do you ever get that? It's like a sh- an electric shock up your arse. Like, oh, fuck, I'm dead. And your arse would start tensing up. It would, it would know that it's going to get slapped. I don't know how it's going to know, how it knew. And even nowadays, if I do something that's mildly, oh, shit, your arse kind of goes, just from muscle memory. <laughs> Like it's going to get a slap. And then you start crying. You know, when you were young, you were walking home. And your arse is going, why are you crying? You're not the one getting fucking slapped. I'm the one that's going to have to bear the brunt of this. <laughs> it's not a slap in the face. It's a slap in the arse. And I'm the arse. <laughs> I don't know if I've told you. This is how grim things are down in Kerry. I don't know if I've told you this before. But this is, this is, ho- this is a Halloween horror story. I have a friend whose grandfather, <laughs> when he used to come home, this is how he was an advanced man, you know, he was a progressive man. And when if he was, used to get angry, because back in the like 70s or whatever, it was just, you, if you're angry, you'd hit your child or your wife. But instead, he was so progressive, what he used to do was go out into the field and punch a cow. <laughs> if, he got, if he got upset. I mean, his heart was in the right place. You know? He was a modern man, but not modern enough, you know, where he was anti-animal abuse. But, yeah, I wonder why we're all fucked up. <laughs> uh, you know, why the whole country is in like therapy and shit. Our grandfathers are beating cows up <laughs> and throwing barren bracks at front doors, begging the Holy Spirit to take over their body. I have a Halloween film for you. And... It's on YouTube. And this is the one you're going to go, Shane, fuck yourself, man. I'm not watching any 1931 film. Well, shut your face. This film is called Vampire, V-A-M-P-Y-R. Directed by the great Carl Theodore Dreyer. I might have got that wrong. I think it's right. Danish. A fellow from, uh, uh, what's it called? Denmark. And he made this 
creepy film, right? This is a film you should put on. It's only an hour long. It was made on the cusp of the silent period and the talky period. So it's kind of half silent, half talk, muffled talking. But that even makes it creepier. And it's about this fellow who gets lost in Transylvania, like I did one time. I got lost in Transylvania. I talked about it before. Um, but he has a much scarier time than me. He meets actual vampires. And I remember watching it one night after coming in from the pub and it was just on TV. And I remember thinking, this is the creepiest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's on YouTube and it's free. It's called Vampire. And you know the ba- Bram Stoker Dracula, the one directed by Francis Ford Coppola with Gary Oldman. You know that bit with all the shadows, like Dracula's shadow in the background is doing different stuff to Dracula. That's taken from Vampire. So watch it. It's really good. Um, and then you could watch his other films, Gertrude and Ordette. There are two of his other ones, which aren't as uh, entertaining as Vampire. But that would be my recommendation. I'm not really a big horror movie fella. I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I like Halloween. And Exorcist is good. But I don't really get scared by him. Do you know what I fucking loved? And it's a horror film. The Witch. By Roger Eggers. Is that his name? He made The Lighthouse recently. That was creepy. And I have some obsession with pre-colonial America or post-colonial America for some reason. One of my obsessions. (laughs) And, uh... Yeah, it's a great film, The Witch. And if you know any scary films, let me know uh, on Instagram or whatever. Like, I want ones that'll make me fucking die. They're so scary. I don't I don't care about gore or anything like that. You know what's a shit one? The Babadook. That was so overrated. The child in that, and I know I talked about annoying children a lot tonight, but that child was fucking hell, man. I wanted the monster to fucking eat him. And I, th- I, don't, I think they meant it to, to be that way. Well, you know what else is a good one? It Follows. That was a good uh, hot, recent horror movie too. Check that one out. It's not scary, but it's good. It's creepy enough. But most horror films are kind of shit. I've still been reading Moby Dick. I'll, keep, I'll, I'll let you know what happens. I'm fucking 400 pages in. And absolutely... Uh, this is what happened in the whole book. Two fucking dickheads, right? One's called Ishmael. The other one's called... Oh, what's his name again? Quig Quig, right? They could not be more different. But they're the best of friends. It's like uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Danny Glover. One's a Christian white guy. The other is a Polynesian pagan. All right. And they are like, oh, we hate each other. But then they love each other. And they decide to go boating and whaling together. But the captain turns out to be a fucking psychopath. The captain goes, listen, remember we said that we were going to catch all the whales for the company? Well, I'll tell you, we're not doing that. And everyone's going, why, Captain Ahab? What are we going to do? He goes, we're going to chase a different whale instead, a white whale called Moby Dick. And that's basically all that has happened in the last 400 pages. (laughs) But it's good. I mean, it's good. It's tough. It's boring at points. It's exciting at points. Sometimes you're like, what is going on? What am I reading? Um, but I'm going to get through it. And um, I think that's it for this week. If I can think of anything else to say before I go. And I'm keeping one eye on the bin bags outside my house. 
Dublin is stupid, right? There's no wheelie bins where I live. You have to throw out yellow bags onto the road. All right? So then they come along and collect them. But there's this cunt of a fox that lives on our street or he shows up on our street at night. And what he does is, when you're asleep, you think your bins are fine. He starts eating through them, gets, puts all your fucking rubbish or there's fucking fanny pads and biscuit boxes and everything tore, strewn around the street. So sometimes I have to put the back because they come early in the morning. So sometimes I have to keep, I keep an eye out the window because if the fox comes up, I see him and I open the door and I run down the road after him and chase him away. <laughs> and I'm sure the neighbors are going, Jesus Christ, that fucking crazy bastard is chasing after the fox again. And like the last time it happened, I didn't realize my fucking pants were all down. My fly was out. My Mickey was nearly hanging out, probably. Look at my man again. That fella, look, Shane, he's chasing a fox with his fucking Mickey hanging out down the road. Um, But that's just my life, man. That's my life. All right, I'm rambling now. So uh, listen, God bless you all. Sign up to the Patreon, please, if you want to. Patreon.com forward slash Shane's Brilliant Podcast. And I uh, hope you have a good Halloween, right? And have a, be safe this weekend. And if you see me, say hello. And um, hopefully I'll see you around. Have a good one. Cheers, nice one. Thanks and hobnob. <laughs>